Give some praise to him. He deserves it. He's amazing and powerful and strong. We're so glad that you are here worshiping with us and connecting with us. If you're here in the sanctuary, you can go ahead and have a seat. If you're watching online, thank you so much for participating and watching wherever you're at, whatever time of day, whatever screen you're on. We hope that you can feel God's presence. And man, I, I hope that you can sense what God is doing. It's amazing. It's, it, you know, so this is the week after Easter, but I'll tell you what, we're still celebrating. We're celebrating Jesus' resurrection because of who he is. He's amazing and powerful and strong. And you are here on a fantastic week because this is the brand new series for us. We are launching out on a series called Chasing Blank. So what is it that you're chasing? What is it that you're running after? And so let me ask you, what are the things that are important to you? When you think of all your time, energy, effort, money, resources, what is it that you're focusing after? What are the things that are really, really most important to you? Because I know some of you are like, but Pastor Aaron, we know we're in church. We know we're supposed to say my God and, and Jesus and my devotion to my family. We know we're supposed to say all that, but come on, let's be real. We're gonna be a little bit honest and transparent in this place because the reality is, is though we think that, we know that's the right answer, our life doesn't necessarily reflect that. Isn't that true? Because most of our focus is on making money or getting a bigger house or focusing on our, our car or all these other things because we have so many things in our life that crowd out our time uh, connected with the Lord and, and we don't get to connect with him as much because those things we're focused on, we spend a large amount of time chasing after them. And we think if we get them that we'll appear successful and that other people will notice and it will give us fulfillment in our life. But in the end, they don't. But we still try to do that, don't we? We, we still take that, that thing and we go after it with all that we are. And so today, I'm gonna focus on chasing perfectionism. I'm gonna put a little bit of a different spin, a little bit of a different twist. I'm gonna be in Matthew chapter five. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up there. Uh, we're gonna to get towards that passage very much at the end of the message. But if you have your, your Bible, you can open up there. If not, the verses will certainly be on the screen. And I wanna kinda of do a little bit of a confessional, if that's okay. I'm a perfectionist. Uh, I'm, I'm, I am absolutely a perfectionist. I want things to go exactly the way that I planned them. And when they don't go the way that I planned them, I get upset, I get frustrated. When people do things that I don't want them to do, I get upset at them, I get disappointed at them, I get angry at them when that doesn't happen. And so if, if you guys don't mind, if you would support me a little bit, how many of you would be willing to put your hands up and say, you know what, Pastor Aaron, I am a perfectionist too. Like I'm in that group. Yeah, so many hands. Uh, we're starting a, a group after this service. It's called Perfectionist Anonymous. So you guys are welcome to join. I'll be leading that group, uh, but we'll be happy for you to join. But, but seriously, I mean, we are going to take a deep dive right, a deep dive into things we're chasing after in this series. And today, just we're gonna dig into scripture uh, with what God has for us regarding this. But there, there's a, some aspects, there's some basically like a foundation that I have to lay at the beginning of this message to get us to the place where I feel like God is taking us. And so if you could just kind of travel along with me and journey with me, uh, because I just, I believe that God's got something big for us. And even if you didn't put your hand up and you don't think you're a perfectionist, <laughs> you just might be. But if, you, if, you're, if you're cool with that, I just, I wanna share with you, there are definitely going to be things in this message that you'll be able to grab a hold of. 
Like it's not just for me and my group, it's for every single one of us. And so I just, I believe that God's gonna speak to us through the Holy Spirit. And so uh, before we continue though, I, I do wanna pray. And so will you pray along with me? Lord God, we come before you and Lord, we give you honor and praise and glory. You deserve it. Lord, the, the, the songs that we sing to you, Lord, those aren't just lyrics. Lord, our, our heart, our voice, uh, just before you is, is worship, Lord. In your, in your scripture, it says that it's, it's like a fragrant offering. It's like incense in your nostrils. It smells good. It's, it's delightful and pleasing. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would receive our worship. And Lord, would you speak to us? Lord, would you communicate through the power of your word, through the power of your Holy Spirit, the things that you have for us specifically? God, and that you would communicate through me. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of the main reasons that we're doing a series called Chasing Blank is because you and I have a disease. Uh, we have a disease called discontentment. Uh, and, and it's absolutely a disease and it's pervasive in our culture. It's pervasive in our, pervasive in our life where it's like, man, I just, we're constantly chasing after things and after stuff. We have so many expectations that we put on ourselves, that we put on other people, and many of them are a little bit unrealistic because when it comes down to it, those of us that are perfectionists, we are really, really hard on ourselves. Uh, you know, we don't need anybody else to be hard on us. We are already like taking ourselves through the, through the fire and it's just challenging and, and we have expectations that we place on other people. But it's interesting, if, if somebody in our life messes up, uh, don't we often say, hey, don't worry about it. Nobody's perfect. We say that, right? You, you know exactly what to say. But the reality is, is we don't believe that for ourselves. We'll say that to somebody else, our kids, our spouse, our friends, but we struggle to believe that for us. And so in Matthew 5, I want to start all the way at the end. In verse 48, it says this, but you are to be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect. What? Like, uh, no pressure, no pressure there. Hey, thank you so much, Jesus. Thank you for giving us that. Like, be perfect? Are you kidding me? How in the world are we supposed to be that? So think about this. We, you know, if we're to be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect, that means we, we're supposed to be a spiritual giant. Like, we're praying and fasting all the time. If you're married, then you're to be a knight in shining armor for, for your lady. You know, if, if you're a mom, you're to be mom of the year. If you, if you own your own company or you're a manager, you're to be boss of the decade. Like, one year isn't good enough. You got to stack 10 in a row because that's how high our goals are. You know, if, if, if you're a follower of Christ, we're going, man, I, I got to read my Bible three times a day. I got to pray without ceasing because that's what it says in 1 Thessalonians. We're, like, so the standards are so very high. Maybe you're one of those perfect parents where you, <laughs> you sneak spinach in your kids' smoothies. Like you're one of those parents or, or you teach your kids how to fish. And so we put so much pressure on ourselves. And, and I, I know for me personally, I put a lot of pressure on me. I need to be a great husband to a knockout wife. I need to be a, an incredible dad to, to three incredible young men. Like I need to be the, a, an amazing lead pastor in a growing church that's doing a million dollar expansion in a next generation wing. Like I, so 
I just, I need to, to <laughs> that is awesome. But I'll tell you what, it's a lot of pressure because I got to preach a dynamic message. Every single time I stand up here, it's got to be Holy, Holy Spirit driven. It's got to be life altering. And you expect me to do that three times on a Sunday morning. Like I got to do all that every single time. And so what I'm, what I'm trying to communicate is, man, I just, I believe that we need to receive a little bit of God's grace in our life but that we also need to be generous in giving grace towards other people. Because when it comes down to it, us perfectionists, we struggle at times. In fact, we're even paralyzed or afraid to take risks because of the fear of failure. Uh, The potential that we might not reach that standard. And if somebody were to evaluate us or criticize us, we take that very personally. It's really, really hard on us. And, and we, in fact, even obsess to make sure that everything is just right in the way that we want it to be. So what I want to do is I want to talk about three different types of perfectionists. And then we'll dive into Scripture in just a minute. But three different types of perfectionists. The first is a self-oriented perfectionist. And so th- this person has unrealistic expectations on themselves. I mean, it's a standard that nobody can attain. It's, it's so high, you place that pressure on yourself. And so we, we battle with this constantly. And, and sometimes because we know our standard on ourselves is so high, we'll actually procrastinate because we don't want to get into that because we know we're afraid of failing and we don't hit that mark. So we push things off. And sometimes that causes us to have deep, deep feelings of inadequacy and we try to live up to our standards, and, and it, but it's so very difficult because they're so lofty. So that's self-oriented. Then the second one is externally oriented, and that's when others put expectations on us, right? So, so oftentimes we're self-deprecating because we want to cause other people to think less of us so we don't let them down. So our humor is making fun of us, or it's sarcastic towards ourselves, but often in doing such, we, we feel alone in relationships, We feel like we struggle to connect with other people because we're afraid to because we don't want to be a disappointment to them. We feel like we'll never be enough. And that's externally oriented. And then the third one I want to share is others, right? Others-oriented perfectionists. And this is where we expect other people to live up to our standards. We place it on them. And when they don't, we'll actually make fun of them. Sometimes we'll use sarcasm or humor and, and, and like we'll cut them down and cut them off. And the thing that's really hard is, you know, we'll use demeaning humor. And, and sometimes in our life, we, we do this with our coworkers. We do this with our kids or grandkids. And, and so some of us were saying these demeaning things to, to bring them down and we're actually cutting them off at the knee. We're not promoting them and moving them forward. We're actually causing more detriment and hurt than we realize. And so... Perfectionism is often seen as a psychological issue. And it is, right? There's no doubt about that. But I'll tell you what, when, when we walk through scripture, you'll see it is, it is very, very much a spiritual problem. A spiritual problem for us that plays out in our psychology in our life. And so there, there's a spiritual side to this. And oftentimes when we portray this, idea or this understanding of perfectionism, what, what's happening is we're actually covering up for something. We want to appear as though we've got it all together, but behind the scenes, it's, we're struggling with insecurities. We're struggling with doubt and disbelief. We have fear. And what that is, is the reality on the spiritual side is we've got sinfulness 
So we, we're sin, we're, like we're sinners. We, we sin all the time in our life and, and that's what affects us. So we go, oh, but I, I need to try and be perfect. But we know we're not perfect, but the, we wanna create this illusion that we can actually be good enough. And this goes all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, the beginning of Genesis, where you have Adam and Eve in the creation and they're in the garden. They're in a perfect environment, exactly where we wanna be, right? And then what happens is the enemy comes in, brings temptation, and they sin, they fall into that temptation. And, and that's, you know, in, in theology, we have that understanding, that's the fall of man, where, where then we take on a sinful nature. And so what's their response to sinning? They create clothes. They, what, they wanna cover up. They don't want, they, they're, what they're hoping is that they can trick God that he won't notice. Like, hey, let's put on some, some, some clothing and stuff, and, that, and you know, next time he comes, maybe he won't see. And, and so it, it, oftentimes we do that in our life. We show people what we want them to see or we're covering up what we don't want them to see. And so because of our sin, we are never, ever going to be perfect. And so perfectionism is a spiritual problem uh, that we can't resolve on our own. Uh, so in, in scripture in Romans chapter three, verse 20, it actually says this where it says, for no one can ever be made right with with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. So if you've ever done any studying on the Old Testament and the laws of the Old Testament, there are 613 laws. Like that is a lot, that is daunting. That's a lot of rules to follow. So what I wanna do is I wanna break it down a little bit because it, you, you might not be aware of all 613, but you might be aware of what we call the 10 commandments. So of those, like there's 10 specific ones, you know, you maybe have heard of them before, you might know some of them, you might not know all of them, which is fine, but we're gonna walk through a couple of these. And so when, when you look at the, the 10 commandments, so it, it's because when, when there's 613, we go, there's no way I could do 613, that's impossible. But, and when we bring it down to 10, I got news for you. We can't do those either. Like when there's only 10, because one of them says, hey, don't put anything in front of God. Well, I don't know about you, but plenty of times in my life, I've put other things in front of God and I've not made him a priority. One of them says, don't use the Lord's name in vain. Yep, guilty of that one too. Uh, keep the Sabbath holy and make sure you have a day of rest uh, that, that's divine and focused on the Lord and honoring him. Honor your parents. Don't lie, don't steal, don't covet what other people have. I've broken all of those, all of them. The only one that I think that, no, I don't, I don't think, I know, I have not murdered somebody. Now, I would, probably wouldn't be here if I did, right? That's just the reality. That, like, that's, that's the only one that I'm aware of that hasn't happened yet. And yet, did I say yet? Oh my gosh. Wow. I didn't mean to say that. It's actually my next word on my slide. Yet. We think that, we, that was really bad, wasn't it? Man, that might go viral. <laughs> so even with those 10 commandments and the things that we've done, yet we still think that we can chase perfectionism and we're misguided as such. So until we recognize that Jesus is our savior, that he laid down his life for us, we have to recognize our need for him. Until we do that, it's not gonna be able to line up. We're gonna to continue to struggle with that. So how? 
If we recognize Christ, how are we made right with God? And it, it continues in Romans 3 and verse 22. It says, we're made right with God uh, by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. And so no matter who we are. So it's just Jesus. Like it's not Jesus plus something else that makes us right before God. It's, it's not Jesus plus us serving the homeless and, and, and helping them in their knees. Like it, it's not plus that that makes us justified before the Lord. It's not, it's not Jesus plus us helping other people or, or not doing bad things. Where, where we think about the list of rules, we're like, hey, well, if I've got Jesus and I, I, I don't do all the bad stuff, then I'm, I'm made right before God. That's what we think, and, and that's just not the case. It's by faith in Christ alone, through God's grace, that we're made right before him and nothing else. And so the way that this works is you have perfectionism and you have grace. And so perfectionism is focused on what I do. But grace is focused on what Jesus has already done. Perfectionism is focused everything about me. I've got to be perfect. I've got to do all these things right. But grace is focused on Jesus and who he is and his perfection. Uh, Perfectionism is focused on that if I obey God, like I can do all these things, then I can earn his love. But grace says you're already approved. You already are connected with the Lord and living in that approval is so important. And so we can't be perfect. Why do we live like or think that we can? Why do we still struggle with this perfectionism? And it's, it's really because we've got to the, get to the place where we surrender and we lay everything before the Lord, but sometimes we're unable to do that. And even in doing such, Jesus was able. Jesus was perfect. He still is perfect. He's going to do everything amazing, amazing, and he's going to meet you in that place. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says that he never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. And so with saying all that, Jesus knows that he's perfect. You and I know that he is. So he does not expect you and I to be perfect. So he, he doesn't place that expectation on us at all. In fact, he stepped in our place and died so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be restored because he knew that we needed that. But he does call us to follow him. He does call us to a place of holiness and purity and walking in righteousness before him and walking in fear before the Lord, but following him. And, and, and in doing such, grace takes all of the pressure, all the pressure that perfectionism puts on us and that we put on ourselves. grace takes it all off because we don't deserve it. We don't deserve it, we've done nothing to earn it. We can only receive that grace and that love and that goodness. And so there's a few practical things that I wanna share with you that maybe you can grab a hold of and apply in your life. And so the first one is that we need to choose people over perfection. So I wanna use the story in Luke chapter 10. This is actually the story of Mary and Martha. I, I don't know if you're familiar with their story or not, but they're, they're two sisters. And, and what's going on is, is they actually, they're hosting a dinner party for Jesus. How cool is that? Like how awesome would that be? They're so excited. And so Mary is excited about being there and listening to Jesus. And Martha is excited to have him. And she's you know, got the gift of hospitality. So she wants to make sure that everything's right and everything's good for, for him to be there. So I, I don't know what it's like in your house, but I wanna share just a little bit about my house. My house is clean, okay? My house is nice and it's clean and it looks good. It's well-kept, but... If guests are coming over, my loving wife says, we need to clean the house. And so all of us fellows in the house, we're like, 
So we got to clean our already clean house. That's just the deal. That's how it works. And every like husband and man is like, yes, bro. Like I am with you. I know exactly what you're talking about. And so what do we do? We go like, honey, you know, give us a list. And we got to sweep the floors. And I'm going like, all right, sweep the what? There's nothing there to sweep. I'm, so I just kind of go through, I do my thing. I kind of pretend like I'm going underneath the counters and making sure I'm like, yep, there it all goes. And you know, it, we clean the bathrooms. We go in the backyard and we harvest wheat to make fresh bread for our guests. Like, are you kidding me? <sighs> you get it, I know you get it. So let me, let me spin it a different way. What if Pastor Nicole and I were coming to your house? Whoa, like what's up now? So all of you are going, you would probably clean, you would sweep, you might would vacuum, like you would do all the stuff, you would get the roller out to get the dog hair off the sofa. Like, I mean, you, you would make sure like everything's covered because we were coming to visit. What if Jesus was coming to your house? Think about the pressure that Mary and Martha are under. Jesus, like, I, I, I mean, what, what would we do? We would, like, it would be amazing. We'd be so excited. But here, you know, you have Mary and Martha, and they're hosting Jesus. And the way the story unfolds is that Mary chooses to sit and listen to Jesus. Instead of worrying so much about the things that are going on with the dinner party, Mary is sitting there. And I just, I don't know what you would do, but I would be at the dinner table. I would have my elbows on the table, and I'll be like, just keep talking, bro. Like, I'm here, I'm listening to you. I was like, give me more. I would ask questions and I would just be engaged with my Savior and, and Him teaching and sharing. But Martha, she was struggling severely with perfectionism, that everything's gotta be just right. All the hot dishes, they need to stay hot all throughout the entire party. The, 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 the ice bowl's gotta stay topped off. That way, if anybody wants a cold drink, like, it's, it's got, like everything's gotta be perfect. Oh, you spilled, that's okay, I'll get it. You enjoy yourself, let, let me get down on the floor, let me get the mop, let me make sure everything's right. And Martha starts to get frustrated with her sister. Jesus, tell her to get to work. Like, come on, we're hosting this big party and you're the guest of honor. And this is what Jesus says, uh, Luke 10, 41. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. How many times do we miss a connection with our Heavenly Father, with Jesus, because we're too busy? We've got something else that we've got to do and something else that we're focused on and Jesus is just going, I just want to hang out. I don't, I don't care about that other stuff, just me and you. So a little bit back on my house, um, if you were to show up unannounced, there is a possibility that you might notice some crumbs on the floor, right? I, our house is nice, it's well kept, it's amazing. Uh, but it's possible you, you might would walk in and, and the, the, the throw pillows on the couch, like just they might be slightly off. And so if you're a perfectionist, you're like, you would come in my house and you would straighten it for me. Like, and I appreciate that. But, but if you came in unannounced, you know, the throw pillows might not be straight. You, you, you might 
encounter my 13-year-old dirty shoes and dirty socks by the front door. I don't know how he makes them smell so bad, but like if you open the door, you would just kind of be hit with this wall of odor. You'd be like, oh my God, oh my God, like somebody help. Like, I, you, you, would, you might would encounter something like that. And in a house full of men, there's a possibility there might be pee on the toilet seat. I'm just saying, like, it's possible. It just... And so your house doesn't have to be perfect. Neither do you. In fact, if you're trying to give the appearance of perfection, the rest of us, we notice. We notice. If you're, if you're trying to portray everything's good, everything's straight, everything's nice, neat, just the way it's supposed to be, we see that. And oftentimes we know that you're hiding something. Because when, when we clean up at the house, we, we get everything, we shove it in the closet, and we push the closet door closed, and we tell everybody, do not open that door, right? And, and so the, the reality is we're, we're giving this portrayal that everything's good, but it's not, and so the challenge with that is, what if we removed our masks? What if we knew that we're not perfect, our house doesn't have to be perfect, and we chose to be authentic and genuine instead? Just to say, this is who I am. Like, I want things to be nice, there's nothing wrong with having high standards, but when it's a detriment to our connection with our Heavenly Father and to others, then it's not right. So it's okay to be imperfect, and that takes the pressure off. And so we choose people over perfection. The second thing that we do is we choose perfect love over perfect performance. And so perfect love, right? Perfect love from our heavenly father because he's perfect in every way. So the, the spiritual perfectionism is like this, man, we, we, can, we can experience the Lord and his love and his embrace and that's amazing. But oftentimes in our life, we think about the performance and we have, feel like we have to do things to earn and achieve his love and acceptance when in fact we don't. But, but so we'll, we'll work so hard because we're afraid of not living up, not living up to the standards. And oftentimes we're covering up those insecurities. What is it when you're trying to earn love? What, what, why are you doing that? Why are we doing that? It's because we're covering up our shame, our guilt, our fear. And oftentimes, there's some level of inadequacy. We feel like we've got to do more, to earn more, to achieve and perform. And in experiencing that, some of us, because we feel inadequate, we actually disqualify ourselves from being used by God. Where we go, God, you're perfect, you're amazing, you're, you're loving, Jesus is too, and I'm not. And so because I'm not, I can't be used by you. Like, I've, God, you know all the things that I've done. You know all the, the decisions that I've made, and you know my past. And so I, I, know, I know you can't use me. You know, I'm so sorry for that stuff. But what happens is our inadequacy, our shame, and our guilt, we allow it to prevent us from being used by God. So what about the phrase that nobody's perfect? Nobody. So nobody's perfect. Only Jesus. So what does that mean? That means God has to use imperfect people all the time. That's the only type of people that God uses is imperfect people. That's what he loves to do. He wants to use you and I. I mean, think about the reality that so many of us, because of our inadequacies, shame and guilt, we're disqualifying ourselves. So we're not stepping into God's purposes that he has for us. 
when he's got so much more. He's like, I know you're not perfect. That's why I sent my son to die for you. I get it, you're not perfect. So when you look at scripture, there's like, there's so many examples in the Bible of imperfect people. You have Moses that was a stutterer. And even when he talked about murder, cause he committed, he might've said the word yet in his message, it's possible. Gideon was the smallest and the least. King David broke the murder commandment. So did Saul who became Paul, one of the you know, most dominant apostles and, and writers for the New Testament. Peter denies Jesus three times. But Matthew 5.48 told us to be perfect. We read it earlier, it says, be perfect as your heavenly father's perfect. But there's all these imperfect people and we're imperfect, what's the deal? So here's where it really starts to get deep because that verse is not talking about performance. We think it is. The things that we can do, the things that we can achieve. It's not about behavior, it's about our response to God's love. I wanna read this for you. This is life changing for us because Jesus taught in Matthew 5, starting in verse 43, it says, you've heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there in that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your heavenly father, your father in heaven is perfect. And so this perfection that Jesus is talking about is completely focused on love. That our love that we get from the Father that we now can distribute towards other people comes out of a place of maturity and contentment. It comes out of a deep desire for the Lord. It comes out of completeness inside of us that God creates where his perfect love is poured out on us. Then we get to be an extension of that. Love others. Love our enemies, that's deep faith. It sounds so simple, but man, it's challenging. So I've shared a little bit openly and vulnerably, and I, I wanna share one more thing. So the fear of failure is, is an obstacle for me. It just, it is. It, it's something that I battle, and I battle it constantly because I am driven, I am strategic, I am a planner, I'm a leader, I'm good at a couple of things, but failure has been a major, major obstacle in my life and it's created perfectionism. And so the problem with that mindset is that we try and show other people how good we are. We're afraid of failing because of the perception of others and how we'll feel. So we're focused on ourselves when reality, when we read that verse, it's not about focusing on ourselves. We are to focus on the goodness of God. We are to focus on God's love. And so we've got to remove the concern of failure. We've got to remove the inadequacies because that's on us. And God's like, no, 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 I want you to be an extension of me. So what if we actually showed God's love towards others and what that looked like, because he is so good, he is so loving. Let me paint 
a, a very simple analogy, but I hope that you get it. So, so some of you are younger and you might not have kids yet. You might not be married. You might be older, single, and you don't have kids. That's cool, but you'll get this because those of us that are parents, at some point in time, our, our child got to be right around nine months, 10, maybe 12 months, and our, and our infant started to learn how to walk, right? So, so when a kid learns how to walk, right, they're, they're crawling, right? They're crawling, that's totally normal. Then what they do is they do this thing where they grab the coffee table and then they start to pull themselves up. Totally normal, right? That's part of growth. And, 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 then, and then they're standing there, they're all wobbly, we take pictures and it's video and it's cute. And then they get brave. They take one hand off and you're going, oh, it's coming. Get, get the phone out, get the camera ready, like it's coming. And then they take the other hand off and they like take a step and then they take two steps. What happens next? Poof, right on their diaper, boom, and you're hoping it's empty. And, and so it's like, you, <laughs> so that you're so excited. None of us parents or grandparents look at that infant that just fell and went, you're such a disappointment. Two steps, that's all you got. Two, that's all you can do, not three. None of us, we would never, ever do that. We cheer, we jump up and down like a child in video and, and we post and you know, celebrate the first two steps of my baby, you know? It's it, like, we never would scold them for falling down. God is absolutely the same way as our loving heavenly Father. His perfect love is endless and boundless for us. It's not based on performance. There's nothing that you and I could do to earn more of his love. There's nothing that we could do to cause our, ourselves to be separated from his love. His love is boundless and endless and it's limitless. Because love is not what he does. Love is who he is. It's in his nature. So he naturally pours that out on you and I as his kids. And he's so proud of you. He is so proud of you. So I just, I kind of want to set us free from perfectionism. Let's stop chasing after perfectionism and chase after the Lord. Like take all the worries and the, and the concerns and the fears and, and the list of the things that we've got to do. And let's spend some time at the feet of Jesus, hanging out with him. So I just, I, I want you to receive this and, and embrace this, that it might transform your life. That's really the ultimate goal that, the, that God has for us. And so can I just pray over us during this time? So Lord God, we come before you and Father, thank you so much that you're amazing and powerful and strong. And Lord, we know about your love in our head, but God, would you do this miraculous thing that you would transfer it into our heart, that we would experience it, your acceptance, your grace. So Lord, with that, we do apologize. Lord, would you please forgive us of all the things that we've ever done, regardless of what they are, how bad they are in our mind or in other people's perspective. Lord, even the rules of, of our land, Lord, that you would forgive us and that you would bring cleansing in our life. Thank you, Jesus, that you do that. And Father, that we would walk and think differently in your goodness and your grace. Lord, some of us, we just need to take a few baby steps. God, would you help us to be brave and courageous for you? that we would be able to walk this out. Lord, that you would remove perfectionism from our life. Lord, that you would create surrender and dependency upon you.
more now than ever. Lord, we receive it. We receive your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.